everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I'm currently at my sister's place. Uh, I came for a little bit of sister time, as you probably know if you listen to the Patreon. You know, a lot, a lot of us have had a tough go at it. And she talked about, you know, getting laid off and uh, getting COVID at the same time. And she's just been through it. And uh, she's on the mend now. And uh, I came to spend some quality time with her. And it's been lovely. I wish I could camp out here all the time, as I've talked about before. It's, I love people that uh, love to host people and put detail and effort and little touches into everything they do. And I'm sitting here in my cozy bed with my custom, you know, tugboat themed Wi-Fi password, every beverage I could ever dream of, a sequin mermaid pillow with my initial carved into it, a Sour Patch Kids left on my pillow because that's my version of chocolate. I feel uh, safe and warm and cared for, and it's just nice to be with family. Greg is my family. Love him dearly. But you know what I mean. Sisters are a, a different vibe. Uh, we have a sisterhood here. It'd be there in five. And next week marks th- the third anniversary of Be There in Five podcast. I might drop my new podcast thumbnail. I'm not sure. I Honestly, I'm, I can't find something that I, I, like, I just... I don't know. I am so indecisive and like something with my own face on it. I'm like, eh, do people, <laughs> so we'll see what I end up with. Uh, but I, I want to, I just want to like update the Luke, make it feel like we're having a cozy convo. Um, because we are. And also, uh, if you're new here, welcome. I am a 33 year old, uh, Chicago based entrepreneur, author, pop culture commentator. Uh, this is a long-form, single-hosted podcast, usually, but I bring on guests on occasion when I think that they can add incredible value, which today I'm so excited, and I'll tell you about our guests shortly. Uh, but yeah, so this is long-form. It's meant to keep you company. It's meant to kind of just be soothing. Uh, so just I should manage expectations because I know some people like quick stuff. It's not here. It's a show that poses the question, what, you know, what would happen if a woman, God forbid, talked for a long period of time about her interests? Can you imagine <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's typically we're talking about pop culture, sometimes celeb gossip, sometimes TV, movie, music. I'm just a pop culture obsessed person that for my whole life has paid deep attention to the zeitgeist, to the people around me, to uh, small details of human behavior. I regress through a lot of my own experiences and just, I don't know, uh, use that big yearbook staff energy of being in everybody else's business to deep dive on different topics here, be it more mommy bloggers, purity culture, sororities, bridesmaids. There's all sorts of things. So look at my uh, Instagram and scroll down for a new listener guide. Anyway, so I'd be remiss because I do talk about Taylor Swift a lot on this podcast. I, I I think of her as like AP literature of songwriting. I love to love to die. Uh, I love to dissect her lyrics. She had a big announcement today, um, and my sister and I we will talk about it on a Patreon episode separately because I know you guys want to talk about it. You know, it's February eleventh. Two plus eleven is thirteen. I should have known better, but of course she dropped something. I, every time I'm shocked. We stand a numerology queen. I don't know how I don't see these things coming. I feel like Tati. Remember when she was crying over James Charles and she's like. I was blind. Like, that's how I feel every time this happens. Blindsided. Um, But anyway, uh, I guess I don't have to stay up all night, though, because she's releasing Love Story, parentheses, Taylor's version. Uh, You know know I love a parentheses like JoJo's Get Out, parentheses Leave, 98 Degrees, Give Me Just One Night, parentheses Una Noche. Uh, So Enrique Iglesias' Escape, at one point it was like in parentheses the ping pong song, which... That's something I haven't thought about in a while. But then there's also Escape, the Pina Colada song. So parentheses are important. So I don't know what Taylor's version means, but there was like an ad or something. Remember that we kind of heard a snippet of the new love story and it's she said, baby just said yes. 
And even though I'm always like, can we stop guessing if Taylor Swift is like engaged, married, or pregnant? Like that's all people care about when women are in their 30s is asking those questions. And it's like, if she wants to tell us, she'll tell us. But I just never, I don't ever really see it being like a marketing move. I think some stuff she leaves like pretty sacred. But I could see her kind of dropping a hint in the song. And I, when Baby just said yes is really interesting. So I'm going to think think on that one. But um, excited to hear it. Then she's coming out with uh, the re-recorded Fearless album so she, she can um, have new master recordings that people can license so Scooter's not profiting off of her. And uh, Fearless is the first album to come out. She's It's going to be 26 songs, six never-before-heard songs, which I'm excited about. And she did that encoding thing where she capitalized certain letters in this um, statement she put out, and they spell out April 9th, which obviously is also... 13 um and that's i think when fearless will come out so we probably don't have a trilogy but honestly i'm re- relieved because like the rampant lover erasure in this nation is alarming to me and another album i'm just like we would just get too it would be too far gone i needed lover fest plus folklore plus evermore folk lover fest folk lover more folk lover more fest ever 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 love lore fest Nope, got to work on it. Winchesterton Field, <laughs> Winchesterton Townfieldville. Um, anyways, you guys, so that'll be fun. My sister and I, we're going to record and talk about the announcement and um, the love story version and all that stuff. So look out for that. Patreon.com slash be there in five. In the show notes, there's always the coupon codes and links to like Patreon and whatever. Uh, and we have a PowerPoint party that got moved to Tuesday because I scheduled it on the Super Bowl. Whoops. And I think that's all for housekeeping. Uh, so I'm excited because today I have what I think is like such a treat of an interview for you. We recorded this in person at my apartment. Um, she and I are kind of in, it's at a point in the summer we were, when we weren't doing anything and her gym was cl- shut down. We were kind of in a bubble and we like safely recorded in person. But today I'm having a conversation with my friend and former Victoria's Secret model, Sports Illustrated model, high fashion model, Erin Heatherton. She has a really fascinating, incredible career uh, that we'll walk through. And I just think this, the whole concept of being discovered when you're, you know, a teenager and then you're thrust into this world of, of, of modeling, of money, of fame, of every, like everything before you even like know yourself yet. And I'm so I'm deeply impressed by her because she made the decision to step away from modeling when it wasn't serving her anymore her body her mental health her self-confidence she kind of got onto this ride and got to the the top and it's just i think a really interesting story you don't always hear of somebody who skyrocketed then has actively chosen a more private life for themselves because as they got to know themselves they realize what fulfills them what makes them happy what brings them peace and a lot of what came along with this job as glamorous as it looks um wasn't worth it at the end of the day because what do you have but your yourself your mind your own body your own agency and uh you figure out what what makes you happy and what fuels you over time and she's talked about publicly before uh, how Victoria's Secret let her go because she had to lose weight. Um, and it's I, I just think it's a really, I mean, I, I can't even get into <laughs> the intro, how many layers there are to this and how 
awful I, I, that is and how how like the way I feel about my personality being so intertwined with my job and how personal it is think about that same thing with body image too and you being critiqued on you know what I mean? it's it's interesting when our careers overlap with these deep sources of our self-worth and many times the things that shouldn't be our self-worth you know shouldn't comprise our self-worth that we need to kind of unlearn right I just I don't know I think it's really impressive and I'm proud of her for like talking about this stuff because um it, she says like she couldn't like go out into the world parading at one point she was quoted I realized I couldn't go out into the world parading my body and myself in front of all these women who look up to me and tell them this is easy and simple and everyone can do this and and, and as I've gotten to know her it's just I thought it's I think it's really interesting how she wants it, it to be clear that the image that models and celebrities like project onto the world as beautiful as it is it's just not reality and it's not attainable and it's not something to strive for and we should strive to be strong and confident within what's healthy for us and our bodies and she talks about in the episode getting to a point where like i'm tall i'm athletic like i'm not meant to be that thin right uh and it when her body was resisting and it affected her happiness, like it just wasn't worth it anymore. And I thought it would be really interesting to have her on and to kind of talk through not only her career, but her, you know, kind of perspective on body image and uh, what she did following like a really rough stint with her mental health, following kind of stepping back from her career and how she's doing now and how she kind of found herself uh, through a lot of difficulty. And I just, I think she, it's so interesting because we talk about this, but she, messaged me because they opened a gym in Chicago and I was like sorry I don't really go to gyms and I was like oh man that would have been fun to hang out but then we went and got drinks and talked for like hours and she's the most normal human being she's from the Midwest she's from outside of Chicago she lives in Chicago now they own a gym in Wicker Park her and her boyfriend that's amazing and like she's just one of the most kind down-to-earth earnest uh, introspective people I've met in my adult life and I forget that she's had this other life because I know her in the context of just being a girl like me in Chicago, trying to find their place in the sky. And um, anyway, so yeah, we do talk about body image. Uh, there's, there's just a trigger warning. There's a vague allusion to eating disorders at one point. Um, I think we keep... So another piece too is like, obviously she's ran into, like run in some pretty famous circles, right? And I think that so often women, um, their stories get eclipsed by the tabloid headlines, by the people they've dated, by things that don't have anything to do with their life anymore. Yet, if that's brought up, that's the thing people hang on to. This is what I don't want for us. Uh, I think that this is what happens to Taylor Swift too. People like hang on to narratives from your past that aren't relevant anymore. And it doesn't give people a chance to not only evolve, but to share the far more empowering and important message that may not be as clickbaity, but sure as hell is important. And I wanted this episode to not really actually focus on the celebrity and Victoria's Secret of it all, but on her stepping away, finding herself, finding her happiness, struggling with mental health, on talking through like being beautiful isn't like it's it's not everything and we shouldn't compare ourselves to these unattainable standards and she acknowledges the role that models play in people comparing themselves to unattainable standards and i just really thought it would be more important to you know we, we talk about some fun pop culture celeb stuff but uh it's kind of just mostly a heart to heart about loving yourself 
what she has learned through her career, through her mental health struggles, coming out the other side. And I really think it's a special episode and I hope you guys like it. And I'm so, so grateful to her for doing it and being so open with us. The way she describes her whirlwind career and kind of feeling like her light went out and coming out the other side. To me, it was very, I was thinking, I was trying to write the show description and I was like thinking about her come up and uh, rise. And uh, to me, the bigger theme here is like her coming up for air and, and feeling her light kind of outside of the industry, right? And then I can't help myself with a pun coming up for Erin because we were talking about all of the things and now she came into the spotlight and how she's doing now. So it'll be fun. And I think the other thing that's interesting for me, I don't go into like body image, health, wellness, like that stuff very often because I, I have pl- I have plenty of issues, but I've I, this is a, this is a space I am not well versed in and I am still so mired in uh, kind of the internalized misogyny, the uh, tabloid fodder of how women and their bodies were talked about in the aughts and early 2010s, the way we used to feel comfortable having an opinion about the way people looked, the way, you know, the media would call women crazy. Even if you watch the Britney Spears documentary, like that was really, I think, enlightening and reminded me of how like in my formative years, I grew up and I think the prime of like problematic body messaging. And I grew up joking with my friends like about our weight and about food and like people saying things like moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. Like, like I think I talked about that in the episode Sixpence Pence on the Poor, where I can't believe some of the things we used to say as if it's just or I, you know, people like in apartments I've lived in having putting signs on the fridge to say nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. I'm just like, what was that? Like. And I think I've shared, too, how grateful I am because I played sports and I, like, just kind of existed and my parents never commented on anything about my weight. And that was not – it's a privilege to grow up with that not being an issue. But when I got to college and I got into sorority, I remember thinking, like, oh, I, like, I'm supposed to hate myself. Like, what what people do, we pick apart the way we look, talk about the way we want to look, talk about the people we want to look like. And at at meals, we talk about what we're eating and how we're being bad. Or somebody gets a, like a Chick-fil-A sandwich and they're like, yeah, sorry. It's just like, I, I'm just like having a cheat day. It's like everyone's always justifying and talking through all their meals. And like that became my normal. And I ne- and then, and you don't lose that. And I just think about these things a lot now, but we didn't think it was, we didn't know it was wrong because the world was telling us that, you know, our value was in the way we looked in the shape of our bodies. Uh, it was telling us that people were entitled to have an opinion about the way you looked. Um, the, the, the messaging just for, for, in my experience, wasn't there of health, not being about size. Um, and I think that the way I would be complimented by like women I was like intimidated by, it's like when you lose weight, people tell you you look good and you're like, oh, like this is how I look good. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's, there's so many things I think about now. And in college, I gained about 20 pounds. And like, I don't say that in terms of that's a lot or a little, but um, at that time, I just like stopped playing sports and started eating Chick-fil-A and like, you know, thermodynamics, calories in, calories out. Uh, I just, you know, you don't exercise, you eat more or whatever. And I think that like, that was a new experience for me. And then having all these people constantly be 
talking about their weight and then I became self-conscious of it and I it's funny like I feel like I just you know regressed to like middle and high school and I need to like get to college at some point but because I really like kind of revisiting these phases of my life and what my version of normal was and now be as an adult that wants to care for my inner child being like oh my god no don't think that way don't do that to yourself don't let other people's opinions define you you know easier said than done but all that to say I I've not that's that's unlike you know things I've talked about before like purity culture and whatnot I've not like worked through or really I've not done the work to to be able to not only think through my own history with body issues um and kind of work that out but also to learn to unlearn the way I talk about talk to myself talk about myself talk about other people the, the, I think that there's like so much dismantling of you know the internalized misogyny, the media influence, the peer influence, all these things that I I just don't feel like I've done the work to be able to articulate it in a way that feels comfortable for me to safely talk about it in a way that is helpful or serves you. And worse, I, I my nightmare is like offending or triggering somebody because I know this is a really complicated layered topic that isn't something like that's easy to get past and that is something we have to work through throughout our lives right it's not about getting over it it's about working through it adapting around our our you know our dispositions figuring out what we can unlearn uh and what's within our control and letting go of what's not and i just think there's it's just not a straightforward thing that's very individualized and so please know i want to do right by you and uh i want to speak to this carefully but i also i have not had an eating disorder I do not know so much of the detail. And I've always, I need to figure out how to do an episode on, like I want to crowdsource something having to do with this topic, but I don't know the right way to do it in a way that doesn't trigger or, or trivialize, but just sheds light on like the severity of the things people have said to us and the impact they have on us. And almost, I think that sometimes the most impassing innocuous opinions you've heard at one point that just get buried in your brain tend to be the most influential on your life. And like, I don't know if it's problematic or empowering to hear examples of these things so people don't do it, so people realize the ramifications, so we stop talking like this to people, about people, even if indirectly. I just don't know the best way to do it, so I'll think about it. But I also have been reading a lot more about like body neutrality, which I find really fascinating because obviously body positivity is so important and loving yourself. But it, it's kind of uh, pointing out that the point, the entire point is that your body, it should not be about what it looks like. It's about how it functions. It's about what it can do, what it does for you. Because, yeah, but even, you know, putting a focus on needing to love yourself constantly and needing to love how you look still places the emphasis on how your body looks. And your body is, is it's a functioning, living, breathing organism that's so complicated and incredible and that cues you about your own uh, health and needs. And it kind of ties it back to like intuitive eating and stuff, which I find really interesting too. Like our bodies do incredible things like you just even thinking about like, oh, my hands help me grab things. My arms help me lift. My legs help me, you know, walk. I can run marathons. Some people carry children. Like we can do incredible things. And like that, that's what we need to focus on. I don't know. I'm learning. So anyways, we'll see. I'll, I'll update you if anyone's interested. Let me know. Um, I just need to find the right people and way to talk about it. And I, I just, but I do think it's important to, I really like the concept of like, do not hold a diet or restrictive health plan with the intention of how you look or losing weight. Like don't hold these rules and standards and restrictions higher than your body's cues.
right? Your body has natural cues for hunger, for activity, when do you need to rest, when do you need to be active, when do you, and, and I, I'm really interested in like the science of paying attention to how our bodies are like trying to report to our brains and how we abide by arbitrary standards above what our own needs are. It's like now that I start, I don't talk about this that much. And now that I'm starting to talk about, it, I'm remembering all these things. And that's why this podcast is so therapizing for me. And uh, when people are like, you have a good memory. I'm like, if you talk to yourself for two hours, you would do. Because you just, you find things that you didn't know were there. And I just remembered going on a grapefruit diet after I got broken up with that, that Arby's. Very, um, you know, right where you left me vibes. Sands white tablecloth. But in short bump, Virginia, the ski chalet Arby's kind of has white tablecloth vibes. Uh, but yeah, I went on this like grapefruit diet. And like, it's so dark and sad to me that in my head, it wasn't about he's not right for me this he wasn't treating me well but it wasn't like it wasn't about any of that i was like oh obviously i need to lose weight like what why um and there's probably a lot more dark stories that i'm even giving credit to but i need to think through them uh but yeah anyway it just makes me sad and i feel like you know so many things throughout life atkins south beach weight watchers my god weight watchers points were the bane of my existence in college it's all anybody talked about is how many points things were and everybody would get really excited when we found out uh, so stupid um yeah it's crazy when i think back and it's really full circle because like i i just very specifically remember gathering around the tv in my sorority house and all watching the victoria's fashion show, secret fashion show and it's like i hate watched it because it's like god i cannot imagine what it's like to be this beautiful to have this body to have men and you know everybody just like fawn over you like you must have no problems you must just like float through life like you know I just remember really idealizing these people and feeling like this was such a thing that's just I'm not and I could never be and uh at the time you don't even realize that what that messaging is doing or how you're internalizing that sort of comparison because I kind of just saw it as like entertainment like whatever uh but hearing Erin talk about kind of how she felt accountable for um be like setting that standard right it's really interesting in full circle for us to be sitting at a table me a girl who was you know a decade ago feeling low about how she'd never live up to the person who's now sitting across from me telling me the thing i idolized and would never live up to does not live up to what's actually important in life and what will fulfill you and give you purpose um and I just, I don't know, it's it a cool full circle moment for me. So anyway, I will get to the episode shortly. And before we get started, I just want to thank uh, one of our sponsors this week, which is a new one, Minted, which I'm obsessed with because you probably know I owned a handmade business for a long time, painted mats, made art prints, and I kind of experienced the artisan uh, lifestyle of building a business with something I make with my hands and my creativity, and it was a challenge. Uh, and I love Minted not only because it's a... It's a website where they have so many different uh, like sets of stationery, invitations, wedding invitations, save the dates, Valentine's cards, holiday cards, uh, home you know decor, art prints, gifts. The list goes on. But what makes them unique is that they've really believed that you know great design thrives in the hands of independent artists, and that so many of the world's great creatives don't have access to traditional retailers which I know firsthand, and Minted uses technology that allows customers like me and you to discover creative talent, 
so Minted is a place where artists can can gain exposure and, and build their businesses and share their unique designs with the world. And they have the widest variety of, of themes and styles and colors and concepts because they source from these artists that the community votes on. And it's really cool. And I got married three years ago, and I'm so annoyed I didn't know about this because the, the, some of the features are, are kind of incredible. If you, know, you or a friend, if you've planned a shower, if you've planned an event of any kind, you know how overwhelming the process can be. But Minted does things like envelope addressing for free like ordering wedding invitations they will address your envelopes for free and they come with free custom envelopes styled perfectly to match the design you fall in love with like unless you've you know spent the better part of several weekends getting a printer off craigslist and stuffing envelopes into the feeder only for them to get ink everywhere and you not understand how the hell people do this shouldn't this be easier you don't know what i'm talking about but trust me when i say envelope addressing to the masses is so valuable and they have a lot of different um capabilities you can leverage from foil pressing, letter pressing, antique Heidelberg presses, and you can support independent artists from more than 100 countries. So if you want to start crafting your unique save the dates or invitations with minted made custom for you, I'm going to use my code because I want to order this art print uh, that's this woman in this really fancy coat, but her head is a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> I also got new stationery so I can write my pen pal. I'm so excited. But anyway, start crafting your unique save the dates or invitations with Minted made custom for you. And you can enjoy 20% off your first order by going to minted.com slash be there in five. That's 20% off minted.com slash B-E-T-H-E-R-E-I-N-F-I-V-E five, not the number, but the word. That's 20% off at minted.com slash be there in five. I always like to explain new advertisers a little more because I want you to know about the play things I love. So anyway, now to the episode. All right, you guys, I am so excited uh, because today I have on not only a dear friend, but uh, more notably is a supermodel well-known for her former roles with uh, Sports Illustrated and as a Victoria's Secret angel. And she's now killing it as an entrepreneur here in Chicago with an incredible gym called Resistance. And I recently got to know her over the past few months, and she is like a ray of human sunshine and the baker of my husband's favorite treats, which he tells me daily. Um, and I'm so happy to welcome here Erin Heatherton. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so honored you came on the podcast. I've We've been meaning to do this for a few months now, but we always and just hang I, out and don't record it. I know, but low-key, I when I first heard about you on Girls Gotta Eat, I had this vision of like, damn, I, I want to be her friend. I'm moving to Chicago. And like, so to be sitting here right now is like very much a like surreal kind of, I don't know. I kind of manifested it and I'm here. I didn't like fangirl you, but like <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's more of an honor for me, I think, to be here because I've loved, I've loved your podcast and oh loved gosh. your Instagram and um, yeah, it's just so great to be here. And I also like me and Carl, my boyfriend, you, as you know, we both have a girl crush on you and it's been <laughs> a long time since I've had a girl crush. So it's like just nice to have someone in Chicago that I'm just excited to get to know better. Oh my gosh, you're the best. I, well, I was going to say people, cause when I've been with you a few times on Instagram, people are like, how do you know a Victoria's Secret angel? Like, you know, like how do you a commoner know uh, one of the angels? And I'm like laughing. I'm like, how did this happen? I forgot about girls got to eat. But then beyond that, you, 
you DM me about your gym. And then I was like, oh man, I don't really work out. You like said something like, we can still hang out. And I was like, oh, because I'm always looking for girlfriends and it's very hard to make friends as an adult. It's funny, yeah, I like had, I like rarely kind of go through my Instagram, but when I do, your stuff always would just make me smile and laugh. And, and now that I had this excuse to reach out to you, I was like, <laughs> just slid into your DMs and made it happen. And then we had a beautiful date at, um, what's it called? The Parlor. Pizza? Parlor. Yes, that was like one of the first times I'd been out and about in the pandemic and we like chatted for hours. I love a successful girl date where you just like talk and talk and time gets away from you. I feel like I've just known you for a long time. You just It's just very easy to talk to you. Oh, that's so nice. What's funny is you like even manifesting when, I think I told you this last time we hung out is, I have a very vivid memory of in like 2010, we would have like get togethers for the Victoria's Secret fashion show with like in my sorority house. That's so funny. <laughs> and like, even for you a year of, for me, like hearing on Girls Gotta Eat or whatever, I'm like, I mean, yeah, 10 years ago, it's crazy to think like a full circle moments like that of seeing you like in that sort of situation and on such a pedestal, especially among college women. I remember specifically like Finger Eleven was playing and the song Paralyzer, do you remember that song? Like, I'm not paralyzed, but I oh. seem to be struck by you. Remember yeah. that band was playing yeah, and yeah, yeah. that night I got pulled over, it was a whole thing. And we were having a Victoria's Secret fashion show party. And um, I mean, people just freaking idolized you guys. It's like crazy to think back on and like how that was your uh, real life and knowing you, you're just so kind and normal and down to earth. And I just never thought I'd be sitting at the table with somebody I've been aware of for so long too. So it all and comes I'm full sure circle. I'm admiring you. Wait, so I'm so obsessed with your story because I think it's a really interesting case of a person who kind of gets plucked from normalcy and then your entire adult life you're kind of well I guess we should take it back a step so how did you kind of get started in the business what is the beginning of your story for those that don't know um I was uh it was the day of my first plane ride ever to uh Miami I was is that seriously yeah the, oh my gosh I didn't realize that till later on that like I mean it was such a whirlwind since that event that it kind of all got lost in this haze of um, dissociation, but like, yeah, I, it, it was my junior year of high school. I, it was my first college campus visit and I was like a super nerd. I was super academic and was always looking at Princeton review, like very hyper-focused on which college I was going to go to. And one of the options was university of Miami to study marine biology or something like that. I wanted to be a doctor of some kind or work in science and something like that. So yeah, my first college campus visit was University of Miami. But before we went to walk around the campus, my friend, I went with my friend and her mom. And we were just walking around South Beach and some guy like chased me down the street, asked me what agency I worked for. I was humiliated and like, I don't know, it was not a fun experience. It was like, you know, if you're with your friend and you're in high school and someone asks you, asks you about modeling, it's just not, I was just embarrassed. And my friend's mom got his contact info, gave it to my mom, who's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and I was like, I can't say no to this opportunity. So we flew and met that guy in Grand Central Station, like blindly, he had no idea if he was even gonna be there. It was like the weirdest. My dad was super pissed that I was missing basketball camp because I would miss my starting <laughs> varsity spot. It was like this huge family fight. 
I was just like, whatever. I'm just like going with the flow. Mom wants us to go. And we flew to Grand Central. I found an agency. Like I met with a bunch of agencies. Um, never had been to New York. Never. I never knew modeling was a real industry. Like it just wasn't. I never looked in a magazine and thought like, oh, this is a person. You know, like this just didn't cross my mind that there's this whole giant industry of modeling going on mm -hmm. in New York and across the world. Um, so I'm trying to like zip through this. My uh, three days later, I signed with Marilyn and my mom flew home and then I was living in a model apartment with a bunch of Brazilians on 31st and Lex. That's another thing we have in common. We both lived on 31st and Lex. Yeah. Isn't that no, weird, No, we Courtney? like have been circling each other <laughs> yeah. for lifetimes. I know. It's really wild how many coincidences we have. But mm -hmm. okay, so it's funny because I think this is your life and it's very normal to you. But from the outside, this is a very fascinating circumstance of like, I mean, every young gal's dream is to be uh, asked to be a model in like the local Abercrombie, much less like on a large global scale. And you say that that's a funny that you said that about being embarrassing, because literally one of the marketing strategies of Abercrombie is they would to, to work at the store. You would have to get picked by an employee and asked if you were interested in modeling and then they would have models, but it just meant you worked there and the mm -hmm. cashier or you'd stand outside the front. Mm -hmm. And it was always a very big thing who would get asked while we were shopping at Abercrombie, like middle and high school mm -hmm. to work there. Um, and it's funny to think of that on the flip side, because I always was really jealous of my friends that got asked. Mm -hmm. But to you, it was like mortifying. Oh, yeah. To be I, like kind of called out. Yeah, no, this was embarrassing for me, I guess. I was always someone who's super shy and like, if those, if a boy talked to me in front of my parents, I would just want to die. Like this is, I was very shy for a long time. Um, and getting that kind of attention, like sexualized attention was very, it was very not, I wasn't flattered by it. I was, mm. that's not who I am. How could they not ask also, like, why, of course they'd ask you to work at Abercrombie. It's like, come on. Well, <laughs> like, no. You're stunning. <laughs> no, but it's kind of like an on ongoing joke because, like, now that would never happen. But I almost think you, the era you entered modeling in fame, I don't know if it's the best or the worst era because it's before anybody had any sort of alertness to the way we should respect and talk about women and weight oh, right. and all of these things. And what well, what year was this? Like 2007? Yeah. I moved, yeah, 2006, 2007. Okay. Was when I first moved to New York. Yeah. So a model apartment is literally like a, almost like a glorified dorm. Uh, yeah. It's like more like a ladies frat house. It felt like it was very messy. Like the floor was eroded. <laughs> like the woods tiles were or like, it was like wood tiles because it was parquet. They were all, I don't know. It was, there was a lot of eating, <laughs> eating disorders, like just Oof, yeah. happening around. Like, I remember there was one girl that would always go to her room with this giant bowl of fruit, like big, big bowl of fruit. And just like, like there's all these weird, weird things happening. And I'm such an observer. I don't know. I really liked being in New York on my own because everyone in New York is alone together. So I just didn't, never felt lonely. Like I would walk around Union Square by myself, which was near uh, where my agency was. Um, but I definitely was such an out, I was such a prude. These girls were like smoking and drinking and dancing. And I just felt like, 
uh, yeah, such, such an outsider. And just no fashion. Like, I still don't really have, like, a strong connection with fashion and style and edginess. Like, I'm just not that edgy, I don't think. Um, yeah, aside from, like, maybe my earrings. <laughs> yeah, like which I'm a huge fan. <laughs> but so that so you were 17, right? Yeah. And you move in with all these young women you don't know and a semi-dysfunctional situation that sounds like, yeah, how... Like, what do you do from there? Like, you move there and they just book you jobs and you just start kind of cold turkey showing up and you figure out how to model as you go? That's a kind of exactly it. Yeah, like, I was sent to London for my first... Like, I would go into the agency, sit on the floor by my agents, and they, you know, they sent me on a test shoot to see if I could, you know, hack it, basically. And the test shoot went really well. And that was, like, that first experience was super... It's hard to... You don't know what it's going to be like until you do it. And modeling for me is very much about disconnecting and like not I don't see anyone in the room I'm just on my own and it's very kind of internal and that part was yeah easy for me because I'm really good at I think just being alone and dissociating kind of um and so the act of you know getting the shots done of course there are uh many experiences that I had yet to have that are super different and new and like there's all types of modeling from you know doing something abstract to doing catalog to doing you know some kind of campaign like everyone wants a different energy and a different style and there's a lot to you know it's really taking direction and looking at mood boards and just mimicking things mm -hmm. i guess but i was definitely sent to london for my first paid job and i had no idea what model like i still was like i don't know how to model and the, my agents were like they'll just tell you what to do that's putting myself in that situation at that age. The, I just think it takes an incredible gumption and independence to be able to to do that, much less to successfully transverse from there. Having been on your first plane right before you were scouted, I mean, that this was like, were you excited as this was happening? Were you skeptical? Um, It was, was I excited? I... I, I can't say that like getting, meeting these people that, ha you know, meeting agencies and having like being accepted in any way of course, like no, I don't think anyone would dislike that. But, you know, going to New York, I definitely remember wanting to fail and not wanting to succeed at modeling. Like I was so terrified at the, you know, you couldn't pay me to be on a stage in high school. This is not being in the spotlight or being in, doing anything under the realm of entertaining people or, you know, performing is just not natural for me. Mm. It's very, um, some people thrive in those environments. I would say I don't, and I kind of am drained in those environments more than most people. Mm -hmm. But um, in the sense of being like empathetic and like a people person and a people pleaser, especially at that age, it's easy to read a room and figure out what people want. And like, that's really what got me to the level that I got to was just receiving people and just understanding how to make everyone's day better, a little bit better. And just like kind of giving them what they wanted. Yeah. Basically. Being pleasant to work with is a very underrated trait that like, 
can get the best of us sometimes, but a lot of people aren't great to work with. And it makes a huge mm -hmm. difference when people are kind and cooperative and understanding and right. kind of the basics that you would assume, but in entertainment, that's not that common, actually. I don't, yeah, and I think too, at a certain point, even for me, like that being the thing that I cared most about, at a certain point when you feel that you're not, that people aren't happy with you or you're not capable of giving them what they want, um, things got very challenging for me to deal with that. Like people looking at you without that same approving look mm. or that energy, it's like a feeling, you know when you're not, and people are not approving of you in mm -hmm. some essential way, especially if you've been modeling for years and years, right? And you can just see it in their eyes and the way that they respond to you. And that in itself can, for me at least, made it very difficult to be, I think, pleasant to work with towards the end. Like, I think that was, I would say, compromised. Yeah. And it's a funny thing that is someone who is such a giver. I think this is a, most people that are emotionally res receptive to other people and to a high level, they can probably relate to like, that's the first thing that will go when it's all used up, you know, or like, it's a double-edged sword because it can be there for you and help you get ahead. But then when you don't, when you're hurt or it's not there, it's kind of like you can't just be. Can't force it. It's hard to just be invisible. You kind of just, I think, people expect that of you. And when it's no longer there, people are, they're aware. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's like, I always wonder too, if there's something to, um, as much as I hate this logic because it's not helpful, I do feel like, like a lot of people, that sort of scouting story would be their dream. You're a normal young woman in Skokie playing basketball in high school. I'm sure it was really cool when it was happening, but you weren't pursuing it. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's an element there that it was maybe more natural for you or like since you didn't need it to work out, it did because you probably approached it with like a lot less pressure than other people did. Maybe there is, there is some element of that, that that could be true. But I do think when placed in that position of people like expecting, like being an athlete in itself, I, I always found modeling very similar to basketball. It's some kind of physical performance that either you win or you lose, or you're doing well or you're not, and it's very objective and don't take it personally. And if you're not playing well, then you're gonna sit on the bench. And like, I, I just found so many parallels to basketball. So for me, it was kind of like that, but I do think it, it ultimately hurt me that I wasn't someone who long-term wanted or cared mm. about modeling or, you know, if I actually cared and you know, I'd see, I work with other people that they, you know, this is their dream to do this. And it, I found them to be much more capable of long-term ambition mm -hmm. and just ambition where it, when it counts. Whereas, you know, after doing Victoria's Secret for six, seven years, I was like, okay, where, you know, I've been around, this is like a broken record and there's, where else is there to go? And being here now where I am and being happy and satisfied and knowing I have what I want, it's funny what I want is not what other people would probably want or expect me to want to be like this superstar famous, you know, successful model who is still crushing it and like getting campaigns and doing all that. But like, that is not, I'm so, if, if it would 
be all right for everyone to just let me live a peaceful, normal life. Like that's actually what would make me much happier. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think there's a certain age where things, where it becomes like your actual, who you are and what you want kind of cracks through mm-hmm. and like whatever you have accomplished if if you're not really honoring who you are and what you want it's much more difficult to just keep you don't have that 20s energy anymore you know no I mean? no and i totally understand i think it's um like success is an arbitrary metric that people all define differently. And that's kind of the funny thing about public life or fame is that that will prioritize to people as the assumed top metric, which a lot of people are exposed to that and actually it doesn't fulfill them. And the more meaningful thing is to try it and to step back and actually fill their life back with what actually makes them feel like themselves again. And I think fame for a lot of people is can be quite empty and it's a, it's probably a weird thing to kind of go in and out of more public facing roles because if you go out of one it's not that you can't get work it's that you've made a decision to actually do different things with your life i guess like i think that's what's really cool about your story is people really romanticize like the top top of whatever industry it is but it's kind of a really unique experience to be at the top at a very young age of a, of a specific industry, right? So you got scouted when you were, what, 16 or 17? Mm-hmm. And then at what age were you with Victoria's Secret? I started working with them when I was 18, which is when, um, when they, they have, I think, I think legally, you can only work with them in, when you're 18. Oh, well, that makes started sense. When I, like that was a new, I think, rule, but I don't know, I don't remember. Yeah, so when I was 18, I started shooting with them, which event, like, they kind of test you. So you start doing catalog, and then they'll put you to um, advertising, which is a different team. And then you'll go to campaigns and, no, it's a, yeah, catalog, um, advertising campaigns, then a commercial, and then the VS show. Mm. So you kind of get tested and, like, run through these teams, and I guess you get a approved or not basically and once you're in it does like kind of the competitive side of you kind of just like want to keep going i mean i never felt i never expected to a get a job with them nor like when i remember my first show like i didn't even want aspire to be an angel i just like was so stoked to be there you know what i mean yeah so it was like very surprised like it was all i never like honestly it's like i think part of why it's so easy and natural for me to be here now is like, I never really believed any of it. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like I never, like it was kind of like this, I just, I just never took it to heart. Like it just didn't seem real. And I guess that goes back to this quote that my dad always said to me growing up, um, all beauty becomes familiar since I was a little kid, he always used to say that. And so like, I think somewhere my psyche deep, cause he said that to me so early in life. Like I never saw beauty or like this, you know, we call it beauty, but like we're talking about hours of hair makeup with the most, per, most incredibly talented hairdressers and makeup artists. And like, 
you know, this is, it's called, and there's lighting and Photoshop. Like, it's beauty, but it's also like, you're kind of, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like a penny in one of those machines that gets like pressed into something. Mm -hmm. Like, you're kind of just this, I don't know, it's, it's called beauty, but it's not something that you wake up feeling like as you do on set when you're working with all these professionals. But it's not, it, this is not the most important thing right. in life. It's just like, everyone's beautiful. Like, it's just about what's inside and like who you are and what you bring to the table. It's just not, I don't know. It's, it's a very overrated yeah. thing. And you had that perspective when you were young. I didn't, I never identified with the way I looked. It's so interesting. Like I didn't, I never felt pretty. I wasn't like getting all the guys, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wasn't by no means did, were there indications in my mind that like, I still don't feel probably as good as I should. Like if anything, I probably have just nearly lower self-esteem than especially at this point I should have. But like what I do feel good about is I feel like a totally normal person. And I know there, there's so many people that feel like me and I can relate to everybody. Yeah. And I don't feel lonely in that. I did feel lonely, I guess, being separated into this group that's supposed to not feel these things and supposed to have answers that you don't have ever. And also realizing that my peers in this group didn't have any answers. It, there was no point at which you're free of all your feminine challenges and the sorrow and just all the things that women suffer through. They exist on every level. Mm -hmm. They never go away. Um, and we're all just, yeah. It's kind of like what your the, your the quote your dad said. What was it again? The, all beauty becomes familiar. Right, and at every level, even if you're theoretically in a group of some of the most beautiful people, it's all relative. And like, and everyone's looking at like looking at your own face every day. I feel you're not you're not capable of really appreciating something you're looking at every day. Mm hmm. And just I don't know. I definitely always recognized since I was young that this is something that like people like. It is, there's a lot of intense feelings around having it and then losing it as you get older. Mm -hmm. And like, also, even if you're, I would, even if you're the most beautiful person in the world, that doesn't mean you're not going to date a guy who cheats on you. Um, you're not, you're just above and capable of just not experiencing these things that everyone experiences. It's just not a silver bullet, right? Right. Well, it's an interesting mindfuck now that you're talking about it, because I almost think that a lot of people almost take comfort in being like, well, that's just a different level. Like people at a certain tier couldn't understand or like maybe at a certain level I won't have these problems or like you kind of will romanticize a situation that makes you feel like. Uh, well, I feel this way because I'm not the best or because I'm not the top. But to get to the top and to see all the same shit, all the same insecurities as, you know, everyone else, the rest of the world, it's almost like more isolating because you would think at that point you would be free of those things. It is isolating to know that like you, you want everyone to you want to share that with everyone. Like, hey, there is no I have no answers. No one has any answers. Everybody's more insecure than than you think they are. Um, yeah, it's just part of life. And there's, especially when you're competing to be 
beautiful. And mind you, being a model, you are surrounded by the most beautiful women in the world, like castings, like you've, there's just the, this density of beauty mm -hmm. where like so, like people so much more beautiful than me, but for some reason, like, you know, it's, it's very humbling to be around that mm -hmm. much beauty. Yeah. You just definitely, I feel, you feel less pretty being around so many like fucking stunning people. Right. You know, you're just like, okay, I'm just like the goofy one. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's cool, but like, I'm like picturing I, you juggling to like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I literally had the like nerd best friend, Victoria's secret identity. I feel, but like, that's funny. That's, that's great. Like I don't, again, like this really goes back to my youth and really never, this is how I, my mom is too. And how I was raised. Like I just, I have such a rich mind and my personality. I want to be accepted for my soul and my, you know, mind. But I was never, again, this is a privilege to not be concerned. I was never concerned about the way I look. I'm fine. I'm passable. Like, it's not an issue. I can, you know, it <laughs> <I'm> works. <passable. laughs> but I don't, like, honest God, don't feel like I'm, you know, anything more than just like, definitely at average. We're good. You know, like, but there, yeah. I have more to offer than that. So like, it's okay. Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause like, I guess my like psychological fascination is how when you're young and you kind of haven't met yourself yet, you just kind of like hop on the ride and like see where it takes you. And there are a few moments where you get a little older and you recalibrate or like, is this what I want? Or like, who am I? What am I doing? And I think your career is a really interesting case of getting on a ride at a really yeah. young age. I really, that's funny you say that because I really felt like I had gotten on a train and like got off and didn't know where the fuck I was. And just yeah. like, I felt like really swept away by this thing that I was kind of just like playing along and like really just scrapping it together and making it work and trying to make everyone around me happy. And really like, I would say pretty it took me moving to Chicago to even hear my own voice and be able to listen to who I am and what I want because mm. it was so much louder. The even the unspoken kind of the even like just what my agents wanted from me, you mm -hmm. know, just like I was so in tune with that emotionally, mm -hmm. what everyone wanted from me. And that was such a louder kind of voice in my head than what I actually wanted that, yeah, it really took me having like taking some space to be able to make myself happy and realize why I was suffering and, you know, pretty depressed, I would say, like just doing what everyone else wanted me to do. And then at the end, I, I would say poorly, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you could, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you could have, I think a, what happens is a lot of people don't get off the ride. Like you can mm -hmm. really uh, put on blinders and kind of numb yourself and do the same thing for a long period of time and mm -hmm. like kind of get away with it until it really catches up with you. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of examples of that too, but like, um, yeah, I just think about- Oh, to be clear though, I, I, it did catch up with me. And I would say like, yeah. I had a, like a severe depression for a year, like slept through a year, um, 2016, I remember because 2016 was a pretty, 
shitty year overall. And so it wasn't like the worst one to miss. And I felt kind of aligned with America having it's like. 2016 to, was tough. You know, like it was, if you watch John Oliver, he had this like whole montage of how 2016 sucked. And I was like in by watching it and I'm like, oh good. Cause I like totally fucking slept through this year. <laughs> cool, cosign. Yeah. Didn't you know, need to be a present. Lot, yeah. yeah. Wait, so, okay, that's, so you get started in 2007, 2008. Oh, of that, of your, just, you know, we're a pop culture podcast after all. Are there, what are your like highs just from, like when do you look back on fondly of the of your core modeling days? Um, I would say like, okay, so this is first, it felt like so much longer because there's two fashion weeks a year. But when I first started modeling, I was doing high fashion um, editorials and also, you know, the fashion weeks. So I walked and I mean, when I first started, I could not walk for the life of me, but like I eventually learned. I got to walk in some pretty cool shows, Chanel, um, Valentino, I did Valentino's like last series of shows before oh, cool. he retired and got to work with him. And that was one of my, in the high fashion world, that was definitely one of my most fond moments. Also shooting with Karl Lagerfeld was really cool. Um, and just getting to like meet these interesting yeah. people. Um, and so yeah, from the high fashion stuff that was like 20, 2006, 2007 and then 2008 I did my first Victoria's Secret show and were they doing the TV show then like the big one yeah my first show was I was just thinking because I saw this image of Heidi Klum on a Vogue cover with her daughter and my I was just thinking my first Victoria's Secret show Heidi Klum was in it um this was in Fountain Blue in, in Miami and it's just interesting because she was in that show and now her daughter's modeling a generation older than this generation and it's just very obvious now you know that's so interesting yeah it's super interesting the so the shows like i don't even remember how that all came to be but yeah there was like a shift right around that time where it went from like oh these people are in a catalog to almost this branding of like the angel and it becoming like this thing it just wasn't before mm -hmm. um and i just whenever i watch those shows i'm like i would be so nauseous uh, were you so nervous doing those things on like a major stage or do you get numb to it? I was, I would like black out doing the high fashion fashion shows. Like my feet would turn blue. Like I, it took me a long, I would like after every fashion show in the beginning, like my first year, everyone would always applaud and like hug the designer after I would like get my shit and run away because I felt like I ruined the show because <laughs> I just didn't think that I, I didn't feel confident walking. So I just felt like I was the worst. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, I know I wasn't alone. I'm, I just didn't know how to walk in heels and it took me a little bit. Um, I don't know if I still know how to walk in heels. I mean, I know. Is there technique? Oh yeah, I pra you have to practice like it's not a normal walk. You're like one foot in front of the other, like you're like it's it's not how I'm it's not how you're walking down the street. Okay. But you have to do it and then make yourself feel like you're just walking down the street. Yeah. At least how the style I don't know what the style is now. That was the style when I was learning. Your face is also very serious, so that makes your whole body I think more nervous because mm. during the Victoria's Secret show you're smiling and that just makes everything so easy. When you're doing high fashion, you feel like you're just this like hanger that is has this responsibility of like doing the clothes justice. And when you're doing Victoria's Secret, it's about you having fun and like you loving your loving yourself 
and just like enjoying it's more about you it's more playful yeah and it's just more about you like i'm having fun this is like i'm here to show my personality Mm -hmm. and it's not about like just remove you and your personality and any curve you have Mm -hmm. because you need to be interchangeable with every single person in the show basically got it yeah that makes sense so i guess having that like it's kind of like doing something uphill for a while and then like it levels off so it's hard but it's a lot easier than doing a high fashion show yeah and also i think yes it would have been terrifying except like i'd worked with a lot of those girls so it's kind of like you're all in it together yeah and everyone's nervous together so no one's alone and like you're all supporting each other and it's a really like friendly there's not from my experience there was not a lot of competitiveness or cattiness there's a very like supportive probably what a good sorority would feel like that was my next question is is was it friendly totally That's i mean awesome. from my pers- like from my perspective it was such a great friend group you know everyone was super like we everyone hung out I was, like our generation of Victoria's Secret Angels all hung out and got along and it was That's so cool. It was so great. I mean, that was the best part about it was the community and not just with the girls, but with the, the photographers, the hairstyles, the makeup artists, everyone that, you know, we worked with was so awesome. And it was just a joy to see everyone, you know, to get to see everyone so frequently. Whereas with the other variation modeling that I had been doing, it's like a new team every day Mm -hmm. and there's no consistency and i just really lived for that routine and sense of community i i love that people always want women to hate each other like a large group of like attractive models people would be like thrilled if it was a nightmare but i love that it was a pleasant experience and a friendly one it wasn't overly competitive because i generally think human like most people I don't know, like who wants to be there and like make enemies? I would want to have like friends and solidarity, especially in such a scary situation. And I'm glad that it was, I don't know, more comforting than I, in my head, it was, it feels cold. Yeah, no, that's the one thing it wasn't. Um, You know, you're all up against such a big, you have such a big hurdle. Like it's a monumental kind of thing to be. And I, I think, how do I say this? I hope this makes sense. Like by knowing other people in your position and being close to those other people in your position, you have to think less about what that means because, okay, you're doing it. You're doing it. Let's just not, totally. we can bitch about it. We can like, as, as long as you're close to other people who know what you're going through, it makes it so much more just mentally digestible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and I just, I never felt any kind of cattiness. I didn't witness it really. I'm sure it did exist. I'm sure, like, I've heard stories, you know, that is was not in my periphery of experience. And that's, yeah, that's not the juice or gossip I can offer up. <laughs> Basically, that's, that's not what was there. I think the juice and gossip is, like, a lot of times people are nice and you make friends and you get along well. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that... Um, yeah, people are always digging for something salacious, but doesn't necessarily need to be there. And I mm-hmm. think it's great when women can form friendships above all else. Like, yeah. it's not things aren't always that inherently competitive. Um, so you modeled for high fashion for Sports Illustrated for Victoria's Secret, among other things. And then, what year around did you kind of take a step back? 
Um, yeah, that was like 20. I moved to Chicago in the beginning of 2018. Okay. But like that was like, I didn't do that. Like I wasn't in a mental position to really like my light was out. I just didn't really, you know, like I didn't have the spark or the energy to kind of be me. I don't know. I was very like in a fog. So yeah, I would say that like 2016, 2017, I, I know I worked in 2016 and stuff. 2017, I would say it was avoiding everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, I just didn't want to work. I wanted to run away. And then by 2018, I had moved home and knew like I needed to reset. I knew like I had never struck, like it was so eye-opening to have my quote unquote like light go out to what like I had always been privileged to walk into a room and feel like I can talk to anybody and like you know and to to know what it feels like to think that like to just feel like you ruin everything just by being there like you this insecurity that you feel by having this light go out which I, mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying just not have just having nothing left to give kind of yeah it was it made me feel understanding compassion for a lot of people who feel that way a lot Mm -hmm. um I think it was an an informative and important experience to go through um and it required me to take a step back and figure out how to rejuvenate and take care of myself so I like flew myself to Costa Rica I'd never my first plane the the first time I booked a plane ticket by myself for myself which I recognized was kind of weird you know I never taken myself anywhere just to do something that wasn't work related yeah it was always just doing things for other people I never really thought to care about the relationship I had with myself um long story short I did a bunch of ayahuasca that really helped me um and helped me like cry and grieve and forgive myself and apologize to myself for all the shit that I'd been through. And like, you know, there's a lot of just cruelty that I'd experienced. And, you know, of course, all the rejection just comes with modeling. And there was a lot that like, you know, your sensitive heart just like takes in that you have to, I don't, I felt the weight of it all. And Mm -hmm. I needed to let that go and just feel and forgive and like, then I decided to go home for a bit and reconnected with humanity in a sense Mm -hmm. and just kind of like came back to life here and was didn't know what I like I thought it was going to be for a short period of time but then I met my boyfriend and like I don't know things just blossomed here and I've never been happier no I think that's like such a I love that you talk so frankly about and I like the metaphor you use of your light going out because I think it almost helps to um, visualize it in a way that if you've never felt depression, it would help you empathize a little bit more in that like, 
you, you like nothing's there. Like you yeah. have all these things, but you physically can't see them. There's no light on to help you navigate all of the good that's around you. Mm-hmm. It's just, you don't have the choice. It is empty. It is, it's a void. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, and, and people want to be able to talk you out of it or say, you're great. You're beautiful. You're talented. You're this, you're that. It's like, none of that matters. It's, it's all internal. Mm-hmm. You have to see it yourself. And a lot of times you can go so long, like floating on external validation, but when it's not there for you, it's not there for you. And that's when you have to kind of search intrinsically to your point about Costa Rica and ayahuasca, never having done something for yourself, you kind of, uh, not, not to speak for you, but like, I'm sure you probably try to do all these things. And then you get to a point where you're just like, it's just me here. Like I gotta figure, this is on me. I have to do this work. Yeah. It gives me chills. Totally. Like the, yeah, there was a point where I'm like, this is not me or my, like this, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like a, it was, I don't know, it was, it was tough. It was painful. It was what it was, but like at a certain point it was like enough's enough and I need to find, I need to start Googling shit. You know what I mean? I need to like Google my way out of this. I'm pretty good at Googling and like, I'm a Google queen. I'll be honest. Like I find anything for you on Google. And I'm like, I need to find my soul on Google. Yeah, open so an incognito out. tab. What is my purpose? Yeah, like I really, no, I was going through a lot of soul searching, like finding what do I need? Like a life coach. I knew it wasn't like, I knew my sleep schedule was fucked up. I knew like I was struggling with alcohol at a time, which is like like self-medicating. And I wanted to just get my circadian rhythm back on track. I wanted to stop drinking. I wanted to quit smoking. Um, I was smoking cigarettes for like 10 years. And yeah, so in order to do ayahuasca, you have to quit all that stuff for like two weeks before anyways. So it was just like, okay, I'm gonna try this. Like this, all the, like, what this is for is like exactly where I'm at and what I am looking yeah. to. It just, it just kind of seemed like a step forward. And at the very least, I, I'm conscious of the fact that like, it, as long as you, it's like the thought that counts kind of, you know? Sorry, I have to turn off my age bag. No worries. Um, my ranting like to like, no, I, not at all. And sense? I don't want, and I, I, I didn't, I also know that you're like probably so over half the questions I'm asking you, but I'm not over anything. just as like, uh, get people caught up to speed. Cause no. I feel like when people ask me about like doormats too much, I'm like, for the love of God, I've done so many other things besides painted doormats, but I feel like that'll dominate the conversation. I don't want you to think I'm over focusing. No, on no, no. I'm like, really, <laughs> I, okay, cool. Can I'm, I get you anything? You want water? No, I'm so good. Okay. I, I know I talk in tangents that like, I, I, I won't like probably listen, but I'm being myself, you know? And I, that's what we want to do, right? I want you to be yourself. And also, I think there's something about like diving into your own story and experiences that you're like, how can this be interesting? But like, it's so fascinating uh, because of so many reasons, not only having a career that's so public, but also not everybody is open about speaking about their the downsides and everybody's open about speaking about mental health like mm-hmm. p- people that are idolized especially in the space of beauty and body and health and wellness fitness all these things it's like it, it's important to be able to acknowledge that it's not all it's cracked up to be that it's not always reality that even after that you were still kind of soul searching i love that you're open about that mm-hmm. the um Actually, to back to the ayahuasca piece, because <laughs> I've talked about it on this podcast how I'm like borderline obsessed with the idea of it because 
it, it, it's like it would be so scary for me to have that loss of control that it would probably be like the thing I needed the most. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to people like who aren't familiar like what it is and what it's for? While we're on the topic of self-discovery, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors because through what I've discovered so many different hobbies and interests and been able to pursue, you know, my creative spirit, which has been really helpful in this past year, and that is Skillshare. Well, first of all, in case you're not familiar, it's an online learning community where millions come together and take the next step in, in their creative journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on so many different topics. But what I love is that whether you're uh, taking these classes to advance your career, to improve your life, to pursue work you love. Either way, I think what Skillshare is doing at a high level is incredible and closing the professional skills gap, having universally and easily accessible um, classes, educators, high quality learning, and all at an affordable price point. I feel like maybe I highlight the, you know, more like nuts and bolts of business, marketing, accounting, finance, law, like they, they have so many classes that are really helpful in a professional sense, but they also have just like really interesting stuff I would never even think to pursue, but I find great value in like, for me, I like to pursue actual creative like crafts and trades, but also I need help as a creative being organized. And there's classes like Find Your Style, Five Exercises to Unlock Your Creative Identity, uh, or Productivity for Creatives, Build a System that Brings Out Your Best. And I love stuff like this that gives tools in ways I wouldn't even like know to search for, but that help me in my life be more structured. But if you want to pursue something more specific, like if you're trying to build a social media following, for example, don't go to a coach. It'll take a video for Instagram, tell an engaging story in less than a minute. That's a class. Uh, portrait photography, shoot and edit Instagram worthy shots is a class. There's activism, creating inspiring art for change. That's a class. There's so many specific things taught by incredible educators that people can benefit from. And I could never in under two minutes tell you the entire gamut of their catalog, but it's amazing. I just want to reiterate, Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And if you want to explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash be there in five and get a free trial of premium membership go to skillshare.com slash be there in five one thing i love about erin is she's incredibly open about her mental health and i try to be as well one of up for it and i'm a big believer in the importance of therapy and i love our other sponsor today better help because they provide a service that matches you uh, assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist from the comfort of your own home. Uh, in a safe and private online environment, you can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. And this isn't self-help. This is actual professional counseling. And you can send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a, a timely response and you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or go to a doctor's office or building like in amidst COVID times. I think that's really tough too. And sometimes the hard part is like just starting, right? And I think this is like a lower barrier to entry that allows you to have affordable, easy access to counseling that it can be an intimidating step to take, but it's an important one nonetheless. And uh, whether, you know, you're suffering from depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, uh, family conflicts, anger, self-esteem, they have licensed professional counselors who are specialized in these areas that can help. I also like that they care more about the match than they care about just, uh, you know, putting you with a therapist, they allow you to change very seamlessly if it's not the right fit, because I think that can be very important in terms of finding the right person to talk through your very personal issues with. But anyway, it's all all the things I said, it's it's professional, it's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible. And um, uh, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's not a crisis line. I always do want to remind you of that. But I think it's a really 
it, it could not be more relevant <laughs> to the times we're in and the many people suffering for different reasons. And sometimes it's just great to have somebody to, to talk to and to find tools to, to work around uh, some of the things that are preventing you from, from achieving your goals or from feeling like yourself or whatever it may be. I just I want you to be your best self, whatever that means to you. And as I said, the hardest part is getting started. And if you want to get started today, um, Be There in 5 listeners can get 10% off their first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash be there in 5. You can join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health, including me. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be there in 5. So what it is, is it's this, it's quote unquote plant medicine that has been traditionally used by, you know, spiritual shamans and healers. Basically, it's a plant that contains DMT, which allows you to have a psychedelic experience and, and kind of re-experience your trauma, really like bring to the surface things that you might not remember um, from childhood, abuses, things that like kind of recon, like a lot, people have varied experiences that are very interesting and extreme. Some people report like having remembered that they were, you know, sexually abused as a child or like you know, for me, I was able to forgive and I mean, it's hard to explain the experience, but like when I first took ayahuasca, I had, I just heard this voice saying, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. And I just started crying because I realized I had this defense up that like everything was trying to hurt me. Oh, and yeah. I just like started weeping. It was really interesting. And then you know, I, I just heard this voice saying, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like all you've wanted to, all you've wanted to do is make people happy and look what the, look at the mess you've gotten yourself into. And it was just kind of like the soul speaking of like, you know, I've just been trying to like make people happy. And like, so it's just been such a mountain to climb and so punishing at some points and for such a s superficial reason mm -hmm. to be, it's just silly, the whole thing. You know, and it's a way too much for what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting that you got to hear like of an unspecified like voice slash narrator too is a really interesting concept to me. For me, I didn't have like visual experiences like a lot of other people. For me, it was very, it was it was conversational, hmm. which everyone has a different experience. But yes, I was able to. I want to tie this all together too because I had this thought while you were talking earlier that like it's interesting you were talking about with modeling how being validated being validated in that way especially with Victoria's Secret that would, would somehow you know everyone wants that validation would somehow make, make things easier but at the same time like you are scrutinized at such a level that like you carry so much shame and so like shame is like to another for me at least was to another level of like being ever being told to lose weight or like you know if you're not i don't know failing on set in some way you're not like getting the job done there's just a lot of you're at war with the most vulnerable part of i think being a woman like for men i think it's about power and strength and money and for women it's very much about their body and beauty what is their kind of achilles heel mm -hmm. having that the, be the thing that's on the line it for me created a lot of just like i was like holding a lot of shame at a certain point that felt so and it, it and by the time i did ayahuasca and unraveled all that stuff 
like I recognize how re like shame is such an interesting thing because it can make you feel so wrong and so bad and like do all these terrible self-destructive things because what someone told you you're a little too fat like like when in in real terms you're totally healthy and fine like that like it's interesting how shame works mm -hmm. and so in unraveling shame and recognizing how shame had had incited me to be so self-destructive and how easy it is to just be like, hey, this just makes me feel ashamed and I don't want to feel that way. And like just airing it out and shedding some light on it and like saying, hey, I forgive you for not being, you know, two inches thinner here. Cause you know, who cares? And like, that's actually unrealistic. Right. And it's really silly and it doesn't have to be this whole emotional knot, right? Right. And that's kind of what led me to kind of looking at everything that we, I, I'm kind of now more, very interested in, in these topics or in these places where, where we feel shame or where shame hides in us mm. and kind of like just really being so upfront with that. And like, because I kind of shook hands and, and like forgave that part of myself. You know what I mean? The part, right, because shame, what's weird about shame is it's criticism that you can't direct anywhere else. It's criticism that it's also your fault. Yes. And it can't be pointed. And so it's almost inverted. Like it's completely pointed inward and is almost, mm -hmm. when people make you feel shameful, it's like you should have known better. You did it anyway. You're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And there are emotions that kind of, um, I think, permeate a little more deeply than your average criticism or embarrassment and I think when it's about your body and your looks and your image mm -hmm. people it's almost harder because your heart knows it doesn't matter but your head can't stop thinking about it oh, and yeah. I think we all know there's more to life but I remember everything anybody has ever said about my looks mm -hmm. because it's something I can't control or maybe it's something I could control and I should have you know worked out or whatever at that time. And my sister and I talk about this a lot, like growing up in the aughts, like, you know, 2000s, mid, 2000, mid 2000s and stuff, it being the height of it being tabloid fodder, it being perfectly acceptable to just torch women's appearances. Mm -hmm. In media, in conversation, all we cared about was being hot. Like mm -hmm. in college, that was the currency. It was just like nothing mattered as long as people think you're hot. And it's just even a funny thing, not even being anywhere in the professional realm of looks, how much of that I unravel uh, as in my 20s and 30s of like, yeah, A, who cares? B, why did I let it be so consuming? You're, and then I'm almost ashamed for caring. <laughs> yeah, so it's almost we, like, duh, it's layered. But yeah. we all care. Like, like yeah. we, of of course, like I, I can, t like I love when you, when I've heard on your podcast, you talk about those things because I, I can relate. I know we all can relate. You all, everyone just wants to be an Abercrombie hot girl. I mean, yeah, I totally feel that. I don't know. People have many gifts. Yeah, as an adult, I acknowledge like the other gifts I have, but I also acknowledge what a problem it is that I I utterly did not recognize their use until 
I was well into my 20s and that I almost think that looks are so overemphasized in your youth that people have so much else to offer that people don't put a currency on people don't really focus on it's or it's like if you don't have the best grades there are a million reasons you're special other than a third party arbitrary grading system that the government put in place like right and I think that like uh people feeling good about themselves finding like skills and qualities and gifts and then being celebrated especially at a young age that have nothing to do with how you look is so important and i god i is like is that happening for people like that scares me you know because on the one hand gen z i give them a lot of credit because they do celebrate differences and diversity and there's a level of uh social consciousness that is unparalleled to my era when I just like watched Laguna Beach and like drank from solo cups and played like beer pong. I I was worthless in my youth, but I had fun, but I, I was, I just wanted to like fit in. I just wanted to be invisible. Mm -hmm. Now it's like everyone, I feel like now the name of the game is standing out as being different is almost the inverse of what I felt like it was in high school with the like body image piece of it all. Like I imagine that wears on you, right? Like did, did you, did you feel a ton of pressure to like be a certain size and look a certain way? It's constant. And it's, I mean, I always like to preface that like for some people I'm, almost six feet tall. Like I'm also, I feel like people are dog breeds. Like we're all different. We're all different. You know, some are whippets, some are, you know, bulldogs, you know, we're all genetically what we're supposed to be. And for me, you know, I'm what the, I don't know if there's like exomorph or whatever those words are. Like I'm, I'm tall, I'm athletic. Um, for me to be as skinny as I was, I th- if you look at me now, I think it's clear to me at least that that is, does not look right on me. Mm-hmm. It was easier. Like I didn't, I never had an eating disorder or like threw up or, or I never skipped meals, but I did diet to an extreme level. Like I was very conscious of everything I ate. Um, and uh, to an obsessive point, because that was my livelihood. And I can see that that doesn't look, that's not what my body wants to look like. Mm. And to just be able to not be, just to be able to like, it's, here's my whole issue with it. It was like at a certain point, obsessing about the, how skinny I am that much all the time was exhausting. And in no way did I want did I think that I should be promoting that to young children? It is not what, to me, like, this is not what beauty should look like. Mm-hmm. It should not look like this obsessive freak who's, like, always thinking about my ass. Like, it's it's exhausting. It's not inspiring. It's a waste of your brain power. And there's just so much more. It's just for what reason, too? Why this skinny? I'm, where I am now, I can sustain and by you know enjoying food and like not you know of course i exercise i'm not overweight at all but like i feel so beautiful the way my body is now and i don't have to fight with it and like i just feel like that's what we we should allow ourselves and our friends to have that freedom to just like be Mm-hmm. And not for it not to be this like struggle. Like I don't want wish that upon my enemies, mm-hmm. you know. And like it sucks. Like I think about it a lot because it's hard. Because of course, like 
I also went through this phase of like, fuck it. I, I, I like stopped working out. I, I gained like, I, I gained like 30, 40 pounds when I quit smoking. I'd also like- Just from smoking? No, it was like the depression and then I quit smoking. Okay. I like quit smoking post when I was like, okay, I'm gonna get out of this depression. We're gonna make some changes. It's like a thermodynamics thing, like smoking, like just kind of keeps your heart rate up or something. Smoking I never really is a stimulant, that. but also it's like you, it, it's an appetite suppressant in a major oh, way. Oh, right. Okay. It's just the ash and smoke, I guess. I don't know, mm. but it's not good for you. And I was like, I want to have a family one day that I'm not, my actions are not lining up with my goals, you mm. know? So like, I was like, okay, I'm 29. Let's cut this out. Um, and no, I was 28 still. I quit before I was 29, which I was proud of. Um, and yeah, so yes, I had, mind you, I have also gone through the like rejecting, I rejected exercise. I like hated anyone who cared about the way they looked for a small period of time. Mm -hmm. It was like, everyone's so fucking obsessed with, I just was like, so anti, I had this whole teenage rebellion experience where I was like, just anti everything. And then of course recognized it was because I was depressed and you know I kind of gave up and came back to Chicago was reintroduced to I was like plugged in at the source with my family felt loved again then I started exercising I'm like okay I'm gonna get in shape again like the best shape of my life for me Mm -hmm. not for modeling just like I'm going to be healthy my life isn't over even though I kept telling myself you know like okay you had a good run Life's over. You had a good run. You're 28. I really didn't think there was anything else good coming for me in my life anymore. I was just really, I was like so textbook down in the dumps, like archetype. So yeah, I I definitely, it's good to have that perspective and I'm grateful to have, I never worked out. I'd never gotten in shape from a place of being so out of shape. My like dad told me I was chubby. I was like really, you know, not, it wasn't just like you're not getting your VS contract. You're two inches too big. It was like you know I, w- I had not worked out in a year, but like yeah, it was good to have that. You know to reconnect with that fight. Okay, I'm gonna get myself back and coming back. And, and it was just for for you feeling good, not yeah, looking how someone's I, telling you to. I actually earned confidence, like the like old school way. You know, like merit. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. out of your own do yeah. it. Like you earned it. Yes. So <laughs> I feel more armed with that confidence now, I'd say, from yeah. ha- like from building myself back up from a place of being super Eeyore, sad pants. I love how you said merit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> merit? Because you just reminded me, I said early on when we first started talking, like I always preface with, and I never finished what I was going to say, which is that like, First, um, that also it's it was easy for me to be the way that I was from like 18 to like 22. Mm -hmm. But I think by the time you hit 24, your body changes like 24 to 26. It's like you become a woman and your body's not the same anymore. 24 to 26 is really the time it changes. I felt that way too. It's, I mean, it's real. I mean- biologically you're not supposed to be the same size at 18 as you are at 28 like it's just there's actual your brain stops developing at 26 like there's still development happening and and also as of course as we get older your metabolism changes like these 
beautiful stages of life. Like we should be honoring and loving them and finding beauty in them and not f trying to just hijack this 18 forever. That's just not easy, nor no. is it necessary. You couldn't, people always say they want to be younger. I'm like, you could not pay me to be younger. I agree with you. I feel like I always tried really hard to be a party girl, to be fun, to be, to, to have the levity I felt other people around me did, but like, I just didn't. I've always been a little heavy and a little intense. Same. Emotionally. Serious. Yes, yeah, so serious. Even but, though like you wouldn't maybe know, like I'm kind of silly on the surface, but like it felt heavy funny. until I was older. It felt I, too, like too much. I definitely think that I connect with you on that, that yeah. level. It's not really valued in every phase of your life. Like, no, that's not really what people are probably mm -hmm. like always looking if for. If you find other kindred spirits, it's, yeah. I've always loved the people like that. Yeah. I have very little use for easy fun. I mean, my, my, I love my brother to death, like my brother to death, but he's more of a lighthearted, like he's good at vacation. Like I'm not that good at vacation. Like I'm not good at have, like I always tell him like, I'm not that fun. You know, like I'm just not a fun, like I like funny things because I'm cynical, but like, you know, I just like, yeah, I, I just totally get what you're saying. I think that like, it's just, I don't know. I think that's why I obsess over kind of the ayahuasca of it all too and like the self-discovery because I feel like every two to three years I'll go through like a three to six month period where I'm like trying to find myself again and like I do, I buy all these books and I listen to all these podcasts and like I'm always trying to figure it out. And I've almost accepted at this phase of my life that I'm a bit of a seeker. Like I've, I used to try to conclude my desire to seek and now I just like honor it, it's inherent inconclusiveness. Like, oh, yeah, I'm OK with not having answers, but I I feel a lot less pressure to f find them. Like I can just kind of look and seek. And what I love about the concept of ayahuasca is, um, well, it's basically like we know your subconscious, the rest of your brain, your entire life has been picking up and storing information you cannot yeah. access. Mm -hmm. And the way you feel is impacted by your subconscious. So there mm -hmm. if there's a plant medicine way to allow you to access the 98% of your brain that is storing all the things that influence mm -hmm. the way you act. Like that's so interesting yeah, that's, and it helps so many addicts and it helps yeah. man, like serious manic depression. And I'm very interested in alternative medicine as it relates to mental health, because I think while it can be risky for many, um, I also really think the idea of figuring out, like of finding that inner voice or accessing that part of you that's like, uh, even like I've had friends that have gone, what's the hypnosis therapy, like regressive therapy. Mm -hmm. One of my friends did it and she said the very first thing she said when she was under hypnosis was something this girl in high school said to her in the bathroom that she had not thought about since it happened and she didn't even know she stored the memory. And it's like, that's the stuff that's influencing us. These small interactions that we internalize that um, I think it's cool that the idea of being able to separate from it I'm I'm very scared of like the prospect of like don't people throw up and like have horrible physical yeah, reactions. That was my biggest fear was I I've only vomited like a handful of times. I'm like afraid of throwing up. So like I was af afraid of that part of it. And I didn't actually throw up that much, but like there was a few times and it's it's actually not a big deal. Um that was for sure the biggest drawback, but again, like the place that I was in, you know, I was more afraid of what if I don't do anything? 
Like it was that bad, you know, I need to do something. And like that fear was greater than anything else. So um, I went to this place called Rhythmia, um, not paid advertisement, but yeah, Rhythmia, you can, I can't, it's on my Instagram. Is it in South America? It's in Costa Rica. It's oh, the Costa first Rica, right. medically licensed place. I don't know with COVID how it's now, but it's, I mean, it was pretty affordable for what it was. Interesting. And it's a week. And I met so so many interesting people there, like people that were just like looking to like we're just in interesting points in their life or like people that go to do this aren't looking for fun. They're looking to like help. They need a breakthrough. Mm. And I thought there was going to be a bunch of weirdos and losers. And like that's like another thing I was afraid of. But they were like the coolest, strongest people. And. And I only said losers because I felt like a loser. Like, you know what I mean? Like a bunch of me's. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, we're fucking sad. <laughs> right, like, are we going to all really bum each other out yeah, or no, uplift one another? It was really actually inspiring to see these people that were like had the strength to be like, okay, I want to fucking do something about this. Yeah. And that was that was really cool. But, yeah, for me, it it really worked. And it was just like what you said you know, PTSD and like memory, like when things happen to you that scar you or that you, like you hold trauma in every cell in your body. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain point where I just felt that weight and I just knew, I just felt heavy. And like, I had this grief that like, I didn't know what to do with and I just needed help. Um, I just needed help like lightening the load and just mm -hmm. removing some of that. And for me, it really, really helped. And yeah, I would say that it totally changed my life. And like, I would totally recommend it for anyone looking for something that might help. There's just like a lot of avenues and a lot of things people try from, yeah, therapy to medication to retreats or yoga or ayahuasca, whatever it is. Like, I think that I, you know, I just always want to tell people, like, don't feel like empty in the search. Like, there's not necessarily an answer, but I think anything you do during those times when you're really down is productive in and of itself because you're trying. Mm -hmm. You're trying to improve. You're trying to feel better. Like, nothing to me is a lost cause ever, as long as you're in motion. Exactly. Yeah. And you're listening to yourself. Yes. And you're there for yourself. What that experience did for me was I walked away from it with this kind of ability to have this positive self-talk, which I never had before. Yeah. Like I'm conscious of my relationship with myself and I'm actively kind to myself as if it was a person that I cared about. Oh. Not in a weird psycho, like now I'm two people and I'm like, oh, Aaron, good job. No, that's very but like, poignant. It's interesting. I never cared you know, people would always tell me my whole life, like, you're very tough on yourself. And I would never understand what they were talking about. Like my guidance counselor, my basketball coach, like my photographers, friend, like, I'm like, how does everyone keep telling me this? I don't feel like I'm that tough on myself. Like I'm a really loving kind person, but I guess like there was this like brutal inner, like unforgiving inner voice in me that was so kind to everybody else, but it had like so, tough on myself and now I am I'm just conscious and kind of responsive to that relationship I have with myself 
Right. And, and that's an interesting point because you wouldn't, you've never been another person. How would you know if you were tough on yourself or not? So you feel like when, so when you first moved back to Chicago, you weren't planning on staying here that long? I had, you know, my plan when I moved to Chicago was like, I have no idea how to move forward and be productive, which is like what I've been wired to do my whole life is just progress in some way. And coming here was just a way to like, you know, I hadn't seen my little sister in a long time. I like my parents, it was like, I should spend time with them before I die. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it was just like, what can I do? Let me just like go. I just had like, that was the terror of it. I had no fucking idea what was like, I, I had to like rebuild from the ground up. Mm -hmm. You know, I was really just like, day by day, you know, it's what my therapist called like commando. You just got to take it one day at a time, mm -hmm. you know? And it was just kind of like, get through this day in the best way possible. And it was, it was, I mean, I forget how scary it was then, mm -hmm. but I made it through. And I, I'm, I know there are so many, I, it's funny. Like I was at a point where I felt like I couldn't remember being happy where, cause I was so in the thick of it. Mm. And I thought that I would never be happy again. And it was terrifying. Mm. And like, I, I just did, couldn't under fathom a way out of it. Like I really just thought it was, I was never going to be happy again. And like, now I've been happy for a pretty long time now. Like it's been some years and it's just like, I'm just saying this for, if anyone is listening that it feels, you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Like it hit me at, 28, 29, like, yeah, it just can happen. And like, just knowing that you can get through that. My life is very many different stories. Like there's the like, the mean girls, like normal high school experience, you know, sports and all that. And then the modeling stuff and like, it's kind of like Gia, but not. And then like this whole depression thing, which is just like, seems so much bigger honestly than the modeling portion of it because it was just so scary <laughs> meanwhile like no one else knew that was going on and in their heads you're still this like supermodel which you are but like like it I wasn't mean, that you were longing for what you had no 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 i don't have regrets or like i mean there were business decisions and guidance that was not good that i've received that that's where i had some bitterness I have a, like small experiences with bitterness and regret and it just doesn't feel good at all. I really mm -hmm. don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, no, like I'm, this is all just like a, I'm grateful for all the things that I've got that have happened, but at no point did it feel real to me. Like mm. this is where I belong. You know, this is my, you know, I felt like a, an outsider looking in all the time. And mm. I never felt grounded. I never felt at home. And as much as, as, as cool as it is to have all these, to represent all these things in people's minds, to not have a sense of home or like safety, like that was another big thing that came up in the ayahuasca is like, I just always been looking for safety and like security. Mm. And I just could not have been farther from safety and security in the world of like, any kind of fame or modeling. And I mean, if you look around in the fame arena, like who has, I mean, there's just no one living a life that like is, is like what 
that's not where my answers are. Maybe me in yeah. another life, but like I respect and like, there's nothing wrong with people that thrive in those environments, but I just know that's not me. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I hate to say. No, what I think that's important to point out is that like, actually it's quite, a lot of people probably aren't thriving and that it maybe shouldn't be glamorized the way it is because even in a much smaller sense, I feel like I'm only as like funny as my next joke. I'm only doing as well as my next thing. Like I get in that trap too of success where when success is contingent upon like how big or prominent something is, it's never good enough paired with the inverse feeling of you realize the further you get, it's not satisfying you anymore. So it's like you need more and more, yet it fills you less and less. And that inverse is kind of what I think is interesting about there's like a lot of pressure to always be doing the the newest thing, the best thing, the most recent thing, the most revered yeah, thing. And it's exhausting. Yeah, I can't. And but you kind of can't for live you, for it. As long as you're present and like doing this is such is so much fun for me. Just kind of having this. I mean, life is for me about connection and that heart yeah. to heart. And it's like having this platform where you're able to do that with people. And as long as you're enjoying that connection that you're able to create. And as someone who discovered you personally, like just listening to your podcast and listening to the content, like the stuff that you create and having it make me feel less alone, like that's doing something really special and magical. And it's not I feel like this is just about being able to keep meeting cool people that yeah. you can like open up with and like, I don't know, share with your audience just different corners of the world, I guess. No, it absolutely is. And that's kind of what I have to reconcile on like my bad days. Mm -hmm. And I, I do feel more comfort and security with, with yeah, the present. And I think that what you said about safety is really interesting because I, I think if you're a person that craves safety, security, a sense of home, anything public is not the space for you. It is the most fleeting up and down thing. It's like it just, it's, you can't mm -hmm. put your stock there. I, yeah. And that's part of where I never, it's also beauty too. It's just this fleeting, like in the, like I have a, like I'm conscious of the things that are fleeting and knowing that I'm like, I want like a ride or die fucking, I guess that's why I've always been more interested in relationships, like partners, because that's always right. Like a true, like if, you know, knock touch wood, like it's, you have a good partner, like that you can grow old with or something like that, like, or pets and stuff like that, mm -hmm. <laughs> like just consistency. And like, I don't know, those are the things I like to yeah. invest my energy into i don't know if i'm not making much sense you though. absolutely are that was that because that was the next thing i would ask about i think this is a really fun fact that you met your um now boyfriend who was wonderful on hinge i did yes I'm not everyone huge... would assume a model is out there on the apps but was that scary for you not at all i uh well when i moved to chicago i didn't know anybody so um when i yeah when I moved to Chicago, I didn't know anybody and coming from New York where I had such a social network mm -hmm. and just an awareness spatially, like I had walked all the streets in New York. I was just so familiar. I wanted to kind of create that as soon as I could. I love meeting people mm -hmm. um, and that kind of goes for dates as well. Like I love just, I feel like people are like books. Like I could sit down with someone and just kind of you know, I'm a guest star in their movie, you know, and kind of get yeah. to know them better. <laughs> the main um, character. Yeah, for me, that is really like freeing 
to my mind in a way. I like don't I don't have anxiety when I'm, you know, absorbing someone else. I Interesting. Guess. <laughs> I I I never did online dating in my head. It would be fun and draining because I I'm, I'm with you. I. I treat everything as an opportunity to interrogate somebody because I just think everyone's so interesting. Yeah. But also I've learned throughout my life that that's not always like sexy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I got yeah. friend zoned so hard because oh. I'd just be like, tell me your hopes, dreams, fears, and regrets. Same. Like, it's just not hot. <laughs> I have, I actually have a good, I have been rejected in every textbook way by men. So uh, Hinge. Yeah. I am a huge proponent of Hinge. Uh, I have had experience dating in New York. And I never felt like anything was real or like this is going to be my life. I always felt like, again, I was just like on the outside looking in, kind of just like playing this. It just never felt like real. And I never felt like this is. It was almost just like. I don't know, I can't explain it. It was um, like somebody else's life. Yeah, kind of like that. Um but nothing that I should depend on, mm. you know, because it's not real. And I don't know, coming home, I just recognized that I wanted to meet someone normal and and hinge you can actually search. Oh, do, oh tugboat's tugboat. here. Come in. I don't know why they're not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you go to Catholic school? Am I wrong about that? I went to Jewish school, which is you are probably, Jewish. Yeah, probably no different from Catholic school. Um, were they? Was it all girls? No. Did you guys like have dances and grind? I'm very tall, so all the guys were like. That's why I asked you because grinding was tough. I, I would love to have been want like grinded with, but I was just far too tall to even be like ground. A gr I would love to be. Would have loved to be ground. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Yeah, grinding was in high school. I remember yeah. that moment. I just like that. I think that was the, the time I was most aware of my height just because grinding is pretty contingent upon both people's hip heights. True. <laughs> and when yours is much higher, it's a, yeah, it's a different ball oh, game. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's just harder to get that rhythm when you're taller. <laughs> right. It's just a lot more muscle. Just, core strength. <laughs> yeah. And just coordination. It just takes right. longer. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have it then. I thought I'd grow into it, but I don't think it's in my nature to grind now. Then I'm okay with that. Um, Tugboat doesn't relax. want you to grind. <laughs> um, Tugboat doesn't like the, the idea of it. There's also on TikTok, a th I don't know if you remember this, and I actually didn't know what it was, and it was kind of surreal to watch it knowing you now, but it's like an old video from the VS fashion show, I think, or some fashion show, and somebody right before you walk out very clearly tears something off your head. Oh, yeah. There's uh, this outfit I had where, the, yeah, this little... Swar Swarovski, I'm not even going to try and say that word. <laughs> I had this little hat I was supposed to wear. Um, it wasn't properly secured before I had to walk out, so someone ripped it off. It was presented the show like I was yelled at, and I think people felt bad for me, but like from my perspective, I really didn't like the hat. So I was like low-key happy that it didn't make it out there, okay. so it was just much cuter without the stupid little hat. <laughs> um I feel glad I can say that now, um, but I think that it looked like I was being abused in some way. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like you were being berated and that they like tore your hair out. 
like taking it off at the last oh, minute. Oh no, I was super glad because like I again did not. I would tell you if I was like, yeah, that sucked, but no, I was like, yes, that's I so won. interesting. I like I got my secret wish because the comments were like <clears throat> the comments are flattering, like because when it happens, your face is kind of like because you're backstage, you're kind of like, what's going on? And then you like turn the corner and it's like whoosh, you're you're you you're just a total professional and you oh, completely yeah. are like crushing it on the runway and the comments are like, on what planet is somebody just able to flip a switch like that? You just got your hair torn out. And the comments are very supportive towards you, but I was oh, kind cool. of like, whoa, this is crazy. Kind of like watching this clip resurface and people be like, yeah, people were super pissed on your behalf, but it's oh, good to know so that nice. it turned out yeah, no, I, for the better. It did look like the way that they, and also that's how it is. You know what I mean? It sucks, like I don't like seeing that myself either like I don't like the people people are really can be really nasty and there's like that's not even like a good example of that but yeah again low-key preferred the outfit without the hat but <laughs> I, I would get in trouble say that saying word that. early so is it is it Swarovski Swarovski it. crystal you know that SNL skit Sabaski crystal. No, I don't. Okay, but that's I'll how I sound it. when I'm saying I'll it. I always you. just avoid it in general. It's really funny. <laughs> so, will you, I want people. I want you to tell people too about what you've done this year and about your gym and whatnot too, because I think you guys have an awesome business that you've built in the worst time possible. In the yeah, the worst time. But you know, I I do feel super blessed that I met Carl and met you and they're like we basically when i met carl i had been doing this uh workout called legree um there's one in new york called slt they're kind of all over the united all over the world really and they have different studio names but i had gotten really into it here it's called studio legree here and um on one of our first dates i invited Carl to come with me and you know he's someone that kind of does weightlifting and more like traditionally masculine workouts um with a private trainer but like I was impressed how open-minded he was to like try out this like more kind of there's more girls kind of in these mm -hmm. classes but <clears throat> it's definitely not just for girls and um yeah we just got super into doing Legree together and eventually he had this idea to open a studio and I think he saw how much that I was passionate about it and it's something that we have built together. Um, we have a studio in Wicker Park called Resistance and we opened um, in July 2020 <laughs> which was a very we were supposed to open in March and that's exactly when COVID hit. <clears throat> excuse me and um yeah it was it's been an interesting process like it is the worst time in modern history to open up a fitness studio um but not having access to any other fitness studios it's good for us to be able to work out mm -hmm. with our friends and stuff like that like we are able to utilize the space and we we have since july built up a really great community and we've been like much busier than i expected we would be but we're hoping that you know we're confident that in a few months we'll be able to properly yeah. open and continue our growth and it's just been like like 
him and I are really good at working on projects together. I've never really dated someone that I was so compatible with that way. Like yeah. we painted the brick in his apartment and it was just so much fun to just like just do projects together. Yeah. Like we just have this good teamwork element and I we have this mutual respect and I think we're very similar. I feel like he's the most like me of any guy I've dated, like most male me version. Mm-hmm. And so that's really cool. I fundamentally get him and respect him. And it's just fun working on stuff together. Yeah. And it's so fun to connect, like, as you get to do with your podcast, like, just to get to connect with people and on a just a basic way yeah. brings me so much joy and... I don't know, just like being able, I know how much those classes and that workout, those teachers really got me through a tough period of my life and helped me get into shape where I really felt like I would never get into shape again. And so just to be able to get people closer to something that makes them feel good is such a stark contrast to modeling and like hurting myself and then making people feel bad about themselves. It's funny how much better I feel being able to do that and kind of like but kind of like around the same topic of like yes. physicality you it's know? like enabling or like empowering people as opposed to I don't know what the end I get what you're saying though it's like you're serving as an example of alleged health and fitness and it's, wellness it's more like alleged empowering versus empowering yeah right it's like <laughs> Right. I think there is a funny thing with modeling where really beautiful people are like, be you, be beautiful, yeah, but be imper- like perfectly imperfect. And yeah. I'm like, oh, keto, okay, John Alina. Like, thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but I think that, yeah, when you're actually involved in the more, uh, the actual like task of it, the actual the work. Func- yeah, the functional. Yeah, the functional I mean, part. that's the part of modeling that I really, I loved that I like, Part of my job was exercising because I loved, you know, I was an athlete in high school. I love being, I love being sporty and athletic. I love connecting with my body. And I really, like, the part, the, the hour I spent in the gym every day was like my favorite part of the day always, mm-hmm. you know? So like now I get to do that for work. And like, I think that, for a lot of people, that's their one hour for themselves. Yeah. And so I, I do see it as a privilege to get to um, share that with people. And you actually teach classes. I teach classes. Yeah, that was also a very, I was scared to do that. I, I'm not, again, the person that wants to be up in front of the class telling people what to do. It's not like it. I, you came to one of my first classes and I was definitely, oh, thank you. Um, I definitely had a shaky voice in the beginning, but like slowly learned. Now I feel totally, it's just like learning to walk in heels, right? Like you can learn anything. Um, but yeah, I love it. If anything, I feel like people would be kind of nervous that like surprised you were teaching it. Like, I think you, I think it's funny how you would be nervous to teach it. But if I came to that class, I'd be like, whoa. Like, I'd, I would have been really excited to see you. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I got over those nerves. I mean, we had it. Courtney and I both don't go. We've, we're not great with gyms, but we both, afterward, we literally in the car, well, no, we were texting each other afterward, and we were like, 
why do we feel so good? <laughs> oh, that's so good. And we were like, oh, endorphins. Like, See, oh, this is yeah. why people exercise. <laughs> yes. It made me laugh so hard because, yeah, I wasn't used to the feeling. And I think for me, it's like a getting there thing. I'm so oh, it's happy just once it's show, done, yeah. but it's so hard for me to get there. I always there. whine to Carl. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it today. And then like once, sometimes it's like the, like before you kind of work yourself up to it. But then once you start, you're like, why, I love doing this. Why, why do I even get stressed? It's, it's, right. it's interesting. But yeah, that's something that I've learned definitely throughout all the ups and downs is that I need to exercise to deal with my anxiety and like my just personality it just exercise kind of takes the edge off I feel like I'm an overactive hamster in my brain and it just needs to like run on the wheel for a mm -hmm. bit yeah and like then I won't have excess anxiety yeah you know what I mean totally I just understand. like need to burn it off in some way and then I'm fine and like the sooner I get it done the better but usually I put it off and I'm like not the like 8 a.m worker outer I'm like the Maybe 12, okay, 4.30, five. Right, right. <laughs> Not too late, because then I get tired. Right, okay, so lastly, because I always ask people their like, recent pop culture interests, mm -hmm. um, have, are you watching anything recently that you really liked, or like, do you have any current obsessions that you're going down the rabbit hole with? We both did watch Murder on Middle Beach, which I loved. Um, I'm watching The Flight Attendant. Uh, what else is there? I'm trying to think. Do you watch a lot of stand-up, or did you, t did you tell me that at one point? We just, yeah, I used to watch, I used to be obsessed with stand-up, but then, like, something happened where, since quarantine, it just hasn't been funny to me. I've been more into, like, politics and that kind of, like, I don't know. The, I feel like the political landscape has made it hard for me to find anything funny. I know. And I'm just like, nothing matters except, like, just give me the, like, mainlining the... F Is that my plate? I just want to mainline the like actual terror in the world, you know, without like pretending like the cynicism is interesting. You know, I just want like the straight facts because that's like interesting enough. But what was I going to say? What else am I watching that? Okay, down. Can you down? Or I guess that. Okay. Sorry, the dog's back. There you go. We're waiting for euphoria, you know? Okay, but euphoria is why I never want to have teenagers. I see. That's that's, that's scary. We're all that's not high school behavior. Right? Not for me. No, I was an angel. Right. <laughs> angel I was a horny angel. angel but an angel. <laughs> I know. I was so not crazy either, and I watched that, and I'm like, I feel a lot of control for a situation I'm not even in yet. I I totally agree with you, and yeah, but. I guess the other thing too with the pop culture piece, is there anything like in uh, like the years you were like out and about on the scene, like do you think back on something that was like one of the time, I, I'm interested in people's moments where like even for if briefly they're like, I've made it or like this is cool. Like have you ever had a moment where you were like somewhere on a trip or at a concert or doing something where you're like, oh, this is it. I've had several of them, and in retrospect, they're so stupid. Like, I was on local TV once, and I was like, this is my moment. Um, but I'm always curious if, like, because you, if you were never that, like, fascinated by it, maybe not. But did you ever do something that you thought, well, like, this is amazing? Anytime I'm on a boat, I feel amazing. You know what I mean? Uh, that is true, yeah. Um, 
I have. I know it sounds like super phoning it in, but like I do have to say the VS show stuff. That was probably those moments of walking in that so show. Cool. That's like, yeah, that was like our Super Bowl. Oh, and I'd imagine. Like even just getting like having experienced that. Also, it's just like okay, that's cool. Like I don't really need much more coolness. Like chill out now. <laughs> the, what always interested me about the VS shows was that private jet filled with a bunch of women wearing like pink ladies jackets. Like it was like almost like bomber jackets. That's oh, with, like yeah, VS remember. Angel. Were you ever in one I, of those crews? I on was that jet? yeah. I was on one of those, yeah. But it's inside it's not that exciting. It's like a corporate just private it's just like a <laughs> right they're like a public cute. plane with a lot of private people on it. Wearing <laughs> matching bomber jackets. Yeah. <laughs> It's really work at the end of the day. It's like it, photo ops look cool, but like you have, you know, three interns like on your ass, like everyone's right. like watching you and you have to be on. And yeah, the that's yeah, that's those weren't my like highlight moments. But yeah. I'm like, tell me about that plane with that four other women. <laughs> what an exciting time. Uh, the group shot. This was oh, so much I love fun. You, Kate. You're I the love best. chatting with you. Where can people find you if if you want to be found? Uh, you can find me at Aaron Heatherton Legit on Instagram, and I think I don't know on Twitter. I don't really tweet, or I, I'm not that active on Instagram either. But <laughs> good luck. Yeah, <laughs> there are some archival images. <laughs> Is there an Aaron Heatherton like illegit? Like did some, was there like an imposter account? There was. Oh, there was. Yeah. That would creep me the F out. Oh my God, these people that have fan accounts, like they, I wish they were me because they do such a good job of creating content. <laughs> I need to hire them. I like could not care less about me. And they're like just crushing it. I think they're, yeah, because I tagged you in a photo once and I, uh, like an Aaron Heatherton fan account followed me and I was like, oh, like that's a good, that's so, gotta be weird for you. They're so nice. That's so sweet to devote your life to an account it's for so, a person. It's so weird, but they're like always the the people that follow me tend to be very I I luckily don't attract like mean troll people and oh, like good. really kind. I I don't know why people that are nice seem to follow me and people that are mean seem to not be interested. So that's cool. That I mean, I feel like that's kind of a testament so, to following your arrow in a sense of the people that like stick with you probably like have paid closer attention and know you a little yeah, better. I'm like, why are you sticking with me? I'm really not doing so sweet. I, I love so that. Like, so be sure to give some Aaron Heather to illegit some love too. <laughs> illegit. All right, you guys. Uh, Aaron, you're the best. We'll wrap on up because tugboat's causing a ruckus. But um, thank you so much for talking thank to me on here and for being a wonderful friend. Inviting me on. You're awesome. And I hope we um, hang out for years and years to come. Uh, stay tuned for an update on our tennis and cheese club. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. That was so fun. We did.